This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 357. Like 357 Magnum. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by producer extraordinaire, co-chief, dude of the podcast, Matthew Marister. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Happy to be here with you this week. Absolutely, man. It's always my, always my pleasure to chat with you. Yeah. Uh, this is the 357th episode. I'm like, man, we probably could have done something cool with this episode. At the very least, we could have like reviewed something that was in 357 caliber. Right, well, right. Kind of, we kind of are. like, So, 9 millimeters are basically 357 <laughs> caliber. There you yeah, go. It's a stretch, but we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> Today is <laughs> Mark says it's the Magnum episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Magnum Pewcast. So today is our news and gear reviews episode. We got some some cool news stories we'll share with you, some industry news, and Matthew and I will be sharing with you our review of two really cool pistol products. One is not so new, but it's still really cool. And there, it's still not out there a lot. Right. Uh, and I'll, I'll let Matthew spill the beans on that one. It's a really cool pistol, though. I like it a lot. I've shot it, and it's really cool. The other one, and I'm going to spill the beans on this one because we got to, you know, we got to tease people to stick around. And, and this, I think, will keep people sticking around for the episode today. I'm going to give my first feedback, hands-on feedback, with the new Springfield Armory Hellcat just announced and released in the last like two weeks and i've got one boom right here in my hands yeah so super excited to talk about that because this is the first like real legit challenger to the p365 so looking forward to that for sure now first off though today's episode made possible brought to you by idpavests.com idpavests.com if you're looking for if you're an idpa competitor and you're looking for a great idpa competition vest or if you're just looking to get into idpa or if you just want a vest for whatever reason <laughs> that's well designed for concealed carry uh check out idpavests.com uh these vests have been used in competition shooting for a lot of years and people seem to really love them so we're really excited to have IDPAVest.com on as a sponsor of today's episode. Check them out, IDPAVest.com. And also today, I want to just mention a new, another new website, actually. Okay, so IDPAVest.com is a fairly new website, but uh, but Shooter Ready Challenge is this new thing that we just kicked off yesterday. And this is something from, uh, from the team here at ConcealedCarry.com. And what this is is we are hoping to encourage people to have fun learning and training with us each month using the Laser X software. And if you do so, if you participate in this, you have a chance to win free ammo from ammosupplywarehouse.com. 200 rounds. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We're giving away 200 rounds a month from ammosupplywarehouse.com just because it's a one random winner picked every each month from amongst the participants in our new Shooter Ready Challenge. And if you want to check this out and learn more and figure out how to uh, participate, head on over to ShooterReadyChallenge.com. This new dry fire challenge drill focused program is brought to you from the folks at 
LASR or laser, the laser app team. If you want to learn more about who they are and what they, what they offer, head on over to laserapp.com. And uh, yeah, really, really cool concept. And I just, I just filmed last week our first video. So we're releasing a new video once a month with a specific drill that's demonstrated and used in that monthly drill challenge. And plus I provide some instruction material in there too. So talking about some different things you can do on a daily or weekly basis with your dry fire practice to help you get better and improve. And that's really what it's all about is to help us all grow and get better as shooters. So check out the shooterreadychallenge.com. All right. Uh, oh, and Matthew, just real quick too, because Jacob asked us to do this. I'll just preview what this month's challenge is. It's really simple, but we figured starting simple would be nice. And what it is is a one-shot draw drill. That's all it is. And so whether you have a cert pistol or a laser cartridge uh, that you can use in your in your live gun for dry fire practice work, uh, anybody can do this if they if they have you know the basic the bare minimum equipment. So using the LaserX app software, using a cert pistol or a laser cartridge, a dry fire uh, cartridge in your gun, you can do this drill, and it's really awesome. So I, I had a lot of fun filming that. Uh, the instructional material and and the overview of that drill. Uh, so, yeah, head on over to shooterreadychallenge.com, watch the video, do the drill, participate, win ammo. Yeah, pretty much a win, win, win. Win ammo. Go out and uh, confirm the drills that you're the skills that you've been building, and you know, yep. Enter the next week or the next month. I think you could, you have the same chances, right? It won't Absolutely. exclude you. So, uh, yeah, get in there every and month. I suspect at least just in the beginning here, because this is pretty new, that there's not going to be like that many participants. So your odds of winning 200 rounds of free ammo, pretty good. Yeah, definitely. And just for the disclaimer, it's 200 rounds of 9mm, and you get what you get. All right, so just to be clear. All right. So, yeah. so somebody out there will be like, but I don't have a 9mm. And I'll say, good excuse to buy a new gun, bro. <laughs> like the Springfield Hellcat. <laughs> Had to slip that in. That was perfect. All right. So let's now talk about our first news stories. Uh, Matthew, what do we have up here first? Let me pull this up. All right. Our first uh, industry news, um, Capital Region Startup Ships Biometric Gun Holsters. Um, This is a company called Verisafe. Now, there's really nothing new to biometric safes and in this uh, article calls it a holster which uh, it's not really a holster um, but basically um, it uses biometric uh, technology that you find in a bunch of other uh, types of safes if you go to verisafe's uh, website you'll actually see um, or no i'm sorry not verisafe it's verisafety uh, website and it's basically a um, a mount with a um, biometric uh, spot for your thumb. And and the reason why I included in this, there's, like I said, there's nothing really earth shattering about this setup, but what's cool about it is it's the first product and and Riley, you know, said the same thing when I first showed it to him. It's like, you know, we oftentimes hear, well, all these smart technologies, why aren't they coming out with these, um, these smart technologies on guns and things like that? Because every time a company tries to produce something, it 
produces something that's really techy and it'd be great for like if you didn't own a gun right but when you try to merge it with a gun and gun people it it just doesn't work yeah. and this is the first kind of one of those products that i looked at and i was like wow i i can see me actually using this this is pretty pretty intuitive um so when you you know it doesn't uh, it's not a safe where it completely closes up around the gun it's more of a mount so you'd mount it maybe next kind of like bed. a holster almost you know it's, yeah it's not intended to be that and it's not something you'd wear in your person but but like the way it so like it, it the way it holds the gun that's that's what i'm getting at like it it sits there. You could mount it on the side of a bed stand or nightstand, nightstand yeah. <laughs> or or bed frame or something like that. And it, it's holding in a in a you know straight up and down configuration or orientation so that you can just grab the gun like in a full firing grip. So it's it's kind of it's more like that. I, I'm thinking I'm reminded Matthew that there's that other product uh, having a momentary. Uh, you know, lapse of of, mem- of my memory here, but uh, there's that other product out there that I've seen for a few years. We saw it when they were first released at SHOT Show several years ago. It's kind of like a trigger guard lock and mm-hmm. it has a biometric, you know, yeah. thing on there. And that's not a bad product and it actually works pretty well as far as ease of use, speed of use. But the location of the biometric pad where you put your finger is kind of in a weird awkward placement it's not natural and it's not how you normally grip your gun so the idea with that one was to like you could you could just have your your gun locked in that sitting on your nightstand or something and you could just grab it and quickly put your index finger on the biometric sensor and it would unlock and fall off but it was kind of just in a weird awkward location and I, I made the recommendation to him when it was still basically a beta product i said guys like you should really think about trying to just just tweak your design a little bit here and put that biometric pad where your finger naturally indexes and they're like oh that's a good idea but they never you know, you know they just stayed committed to the original idea and it's not a bad one but i've never i've just never really been that keen on it because i i just i think there would there was a better way of doing it um this one is super cool because it's intuitive to where you can get a normal firing grip on the gun and your thumb will just intuitively index right onto the biometric pressure pad. Yeah. Like you just grip the gun and like your thumb should hit this this biometric reader and read your fingerprint and release the gun. And you just draw it out like a like like you would out of a holster. Yeah, I liked it because it reminded me of the Safari Land, the um, ALS, where yeah. it's not as opposed to you know the Serpa, where the the index finger unlocks it. This the thumb is actually what unlocks it. So all that you know safety. Hey, you're using your index finger, your trigger finger to unlock the the gadget, the holster, whatever it is. Um, so this one I, I saw and I was like, you know what? Let's let's uh, show because I think this company is actually doing something pretty smart. So it's called uh, Vera Safety. V a Vera Vera Vera. Vera. Vara? I, I I don't know. V a r a. You pronounce it how you would like. Vara Safety. V a r a s a f e t y. So Vara Safety. That's how I'm going to say because I think that like people will hear that and they'll 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 know what you mean. VaraSafety.com. If you want to learn more, pretty cool product. Currently out of stock. Apparently they say they're going to make more. So, yeah, I don't know what it costs. I didn't really look at that. Does it say on here on the website? Uh, 
you know, I didn't even look. It's one of those things where Price like, you, is no option. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, it's expensive. <laughs> 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 they, they don't want you to know, you know, uh, well, it's 299 bucks. That's yeah. It's, you know, it's definitely out of reach for some people, but I think for Me. what it is yeah. and, and the way it's designed, I think is, is pretty, pretty cool and pretty well done. I will say that I, it's hard to tell from images, but I, I do wonder if, no, actually, it looks like the trigger guard's pretty well protected. Yeah. Yeah, it, I, and I don't think that, it like, the way it looks, you probably couldn't use it with a light. Um, I don't know what, you know, what they're, um, if it's universal or, yeah. you know, what size guns and stuff like that. But um, at least the way it's set up, the way it, you know, that it's structured um, seems seems pretty pretty smart, so. Yep. Hey, I'm going to skip this next story because... Yeah, I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. So let's go on now to Otis Technology acquires DRD Tactical. This is, I don't know, just uh, some a bit of industry news. Otis, uh, maker of a lot of like gun cleaning products, stuff like that. Uh, you know, they're, they're tied in, I think, with Leatherman and a couple other companies like that. Uh, but apparently they're going to get into the gun manufacturing business. They acquired DRD Tactical, which is a specialist uh, company making tactical rifles. Uh, ARs and the like. So there you go. I don't know what else more to say about that. It's just kind of interesting seeing a company like Otis decide, hmm, we're going to get into gun manufacturing instead of just like accessories and cleaning products and tools. Yeah. I, and it, I think these types of combinations of companies really um, end up uh, helping the, the industry overall because when you get two companies, I mean, it's not like a gun manufacturer t- buying another gun manufacturer and just buying their, you know, their designs or or taking over. I mean, they're innovating in their own realm. And then when you put them together, two innovative companies, you know, normally you get something really good out of it. So down the line, I'm I'm, I'm sure that we'll start seeing some uh, some new products from DRT, uh, DRD Tactical. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Interesting to see. We'll have mm-hmm. to see what that turns into. Yeah. Next story uh, on concealedcarry.com. Josh, our managing editor, put this together. Concealed carry report shows nearly 19 million permit holders in 2019. So we've just been seeing this number tick up and up and up and up, you know, over the years. I remember it wasn't that many years ago we were reporting on how there was about 15 million concealed carriers in the United States. Uh, so pretty interesting, you know, to see the continued increase in this. Uh, there's... Let's see here. Several states now, I think there was, was it four or five states now have over a million concealed carriers. Where did I see that bit? It's, uh, but I know that Florida is one of them. Yep. And I think Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Texas. Yeah. So there's four. A million each. Texas has over 2 million. Or I'm sorry, Florida. Florida has over 2 million. Right, right. Florida's been the leader there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's also one of the states, I think it is the state that's had concealed carry for, for the longest. So, right. Yeah, but, it's pretty cool. But what's pretty cool is the, the number continues to go up it, despite um, states becoming, more states becoming constitutional carry where people aren't required to get a, uh, a permit to carry. Um, and so that's pretty promising despite, you know, states dropping off and those states that did take on constitutional carry laws, um, actually their, their numbers of concealed carry dipped 
you know, you would expect that, right? Um, but the overall number across the United States has continued to go up. Um, and according to the report, 7.3% of American adults have a permit. 7.3, that's, that's pretty high when you look at the, the, the entire country, right? Um, and then yep. they, they took out restrictive states, uh, California, New York. So if you take out those super restrictive states, um, then the number jumps to eight, eight and three quarter percent, 8.75% of adults. Um, so pretty, yeah. pretty good chance. I mean, uh, that we're seeing that, more and more and more. Yeah, sure. And, and that's not counting, you know, um, off duty law enforcement, um, you know, uh, maybe people that open carry, right. Um, cause yeah. the, the, the law might allow for that too. So even in States, you know, I know Ohio, we have concealed carry, but many people don't get it cause we have also open carry and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't, I don't do that. So, um, that's fine, but the numbers are probably higher. Um, yep. So now the one thing that really did stand out to me in this article and from this data, uh, and a lot of the data comes from the crime prevention research center. Yes. Uh, and the, we'll have in the show notes, the link directly to that data as well. But, uh, this one really jumped out to me. The States, with the highest percentage of people with concealed carry permits is number one, Alabama with 26.3%. Wow. <laughs> wow. That, that shocked me. I, I didn't, that is more than one in four adults having a concealed carry uh, permit or license. That is impressive, Alabama. Way to go. Indiana is number two with 17.9%. Also very impressive. And then South Dakota is leading at number three, which actually saw a decline, a slight decline. Uh, and, and this appears to be since constitutional carry was made the law of the land there in South Dakota, but they declined to 16.02%. What we did see is that overall for even with constitutional carry, and you, you touched on this becoming more and more a thing, uh, we we're still seeing permits increase, including in some of those states with constitutional carry. But uh, South Dakota is, was one of those that did not see an increase uh, I, I'm personally of the belief that when constitutional carry is passed, that it probably gets more people into the idea of carrying a gun concealed. Uh, and, and as they do that, they probably start to become a little bit more educated because they're like, wow, I'm actually carrying a gun around. I should probably know a little bit more about it. And then they start researching and learning, well, well, there's actually some advantages to having a permit. Maybe I should go ahead and get my permit, that sort of thing. That I, I, I personally believe that. I could be wrong in that, but... Uh, you know, some of the data here seems to not necessarily support my my point, but uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily disprove it either. So, interesting yeah, stuff there. One other one other uh, percentage that popped out on me, or number that popped out to me, um, and you probably seen it. So, I'll give the the, the listeners a chance to think. Um, in 2019, what percentage do you think um, of the permit holders? And now, this is 12 states that that break down the permits by gender. Okay. And we're talking man, you know, male, female. Okay. Um, so out of 12 states that broke down their 2019 uh, permit holders, what percentage do you think uh, were women? And if you said over 25%, you'd be right. It's 26.5% yep. of permit holders. And that's in the 12 states. So you, I mean, you could probably guess that it's close percentage point here, there with the other states. Um, but that's, that's really promising because, you know, 
we, we've said probably for the last, what, five, five, 10 years that women are the, you know, the number one, you know, uh, demographic, the, they're buying more guns, they're getting more training yeah. and things like that. And it pans out or plays out even in the concealed carry licenses. Um, and, and I think that that's empowering in itself. Um, so it's yep. pretty cool. Pretty good to see. Agreed. All right. Two last stories, just kind of some industry news. Uh, first up, this is a fairly quick one. This is actually just a press release that was sent out a couple hours ago from Excess Sites, uh, who I'm a fan of, by the way. I have a couple of their sites, particularly the F8 Night Sites on some of my guns, and I really, really, really like them. Because uh, Excess Sites, and Matthew's familiar, you've run mm-hmm. some big dots yep. on your Glock 27 for, I, I believe, for a few years. Yep. Yep, and and uh, that's kind of what exercise became known for was for those big dot sites, that shallow V in the rear, and just a big, typically white, uh, big dot on the front sight. And 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 I don't have a problem with those sites necessarily. I, I I don't really have a problem shooting with them even, but I still find that I'm a little bit more precise when I need to be with a little bit more traditional sight mm-hmm. picture. So when they came out with the F8 night sights, I was really excited because it sort of took the best of both worlds. A nice big front dot, you know, for and it's on a post, uh, post front sight, but it's nice big bright dot that's easy to see. And then they gave you a rear notch and it wasn't, you know, there's not three dots or anything like that. There's not even really, it's not even like uh, Haney or Heine sites where, you know, with a dot over top of a dot, except for when you go to low light conditions. In the, in the case of that, you have that front sight with a tritium vial in the center of the dot and then you have a small tritium dot uh, vial dot that only shows up in low light really um it's it's basically the bottom of the notch of the rear sight and i liked that and i liked the way that was set up and they're very fast and easy to use for me um and i liked that they gave a nice generous rear notch on those sites so i've i've talked about the f8 night sites before but here's what's really exciting from excess sites is they are branching out into like all out, you know, three dot traditional sites, which some people probably be like, whoa, what happened guys? Like you used to like preach the big dot, you know, Kool-Aid and, and they still, I mean, the, the, the folks behind the company there still love their big dots. Don't, don't, you know, misread this, but, but they definitely see an opportunity to make other sites and particularly that are geared maybe more towards the tactical or law enforcement markets where you might even have some law enforcement agencies where by policy or whatever, may, you know, where where an officer may be able to, he may have a certain selection of sites that are approved for use on duty. And uh, I don't know necessarily a lot of departments personally that get that specific, but it, it, it does exist. And so these more traditional three dot sites, uh, should allow them to go after a little bit more law enforcement business. And, but here's the thing, I like what they did with these sites because they took their philosophy of things. And they said, you know what? We're going to still have a pretty big front sight dot. We're going to have a pretty wide, generous rear notch. And we're going to have two rear dots, but they're kind of blacked out. And when they really shine, in other words, like literally shine, uh, when you get the three dots is in low light conditions. But when you're shooting in normal, you know, well-lit environments, you're going to be a lot more focused on that front sight dot. So they released these three dot, they're calling them their three dot RAM night sights. RAM stands for, uh, funny enough, radioactive material <laughs> because that's what they are. And if you have night sights on your gun, it has, it has radioactive material in it. I don't know if, there, I'm sure there's some people out there that don't know that. It's not 
harmful to your body. It's, it's a very small, small, small amount. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how tritium night sites actually work is they glow in dark because there's radioactive material <laughs> in them. So anyway, kind of cool thing to see from excess sites, just another product option there. And I'm, I'm excited about that. Second thing I want to cover, Matthew, is on November 2nd of this year, so in just like three weeks-ish, um, there's a big rally that's being planned for the U.S. Capitol on the, on the lawn there next to the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. They're calling this the Second Amendment Rally. This is intended to be a true grassroots rally. It's not sponsored or put on by any big organization. It's not tied in with any specific organizations. It's purely, truly supposed to be grassroots and grassroots organized. Yes, there's some some people involved uh, in, in organizing this and people are jumping on board. Uh, I've come on board. I'm supporting this. ConcealedCarry.com is supporting this this effort. Uh, Iraq Veteran 8888, uh, Maj Ture, uh, uh John, Jonathan from uh, the, the Gun Collective, uh, John Patton, that is. Um, Rob Pincus is involved. Jeff, Jeff Knox, anybody that's familiar with NRA and NRA history, he's not tied in with the NRA, but but there's history there. Uh, if you know who Jeff Knox is, then, then you know that he's a good dude. And others are coming on board. So uh, this is a really, really, I think, worthwhile thing of getting involved with. And we're encouraging you, if you can, Head on down to the, you know, make it sound like it's really easy. Uh, some of you probably do live close to there, but head on over to the U.S. Capitol building on November 2nd from 1 to 4 p.m. And if you want to learn more, go to secondamendmentrally.com. And I think that's 2ND Amendment. I'm going to double check. I want to make sure I say it right. Oh, I, I can't type. <laughs> Amendmentrally.com. Yes, secondamendmentrally.com. That's 2ND. So like second, right? To ndamendmentrally.com. You can register there on the site and there's also a Facebook page and Instagram account that you can follow, uh, all that stuff. So I, I hope to see people there. Now, unfortunately, I cannot personally attend, but we are, it looks like we're sending somebody from our team there to represent and be a part of this. So we're, we're, we're glad to, to do that. And uh, there you go. So yeah, want to get that out there. Good deal. Good deal. Super excited about this. I, I think there's gonna be a lot of people there. And uh, I'm just excited this is like true grassroots coming together. People just coming together. There's not like one overarching organization. I think that's really cool and really important. And what the focus of this is, is on guns and gun rights, not politics necessarily. I mean, yes, it, that is a political issue or can be, but it, but it this is not meant to be a partisan event. It's not meant to be, you know, there's not gonna be, you know, it doesn't matter if you, if you are a Democrat, liberal, Republican, conservative, libertarian, uh, LGBTQ, whatever, and you like guns and you support the second amendment, this is an event for you. And that's what I like about it. Well, Matthew, tell us real quick, your, for your review, <laughs> I say, tell us real quick. Well, <laughs> it probably won't be that quick. Uh, you've got a product you want to talk about that you want to review today for the podcast. And so do, do you have one handy by chance? I do. I do. Yeah. I thought, I thought you did. Um, yeah. So, okay. So here's the deal. Um, this gun, it's, uh, from Archon Firearms. 
it's the type B and I'm working on writing up a, a, an article for it. Um, but we re reviewed it, um, 2019 shot show and basically Archon firearms, if you're not familiar, um, they are like the, uh, the U S subsidiary or U S branch of arsenal firearms, um, which made, um, the, um, strike one, nine millimeter, um, really nice gun. Uh, people liked it. If you had it, you liked it, right? Super expensive, but, um, well, not super expensive to me. It's super expensive, right? Maybe to, to Riley, it might not be, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, um, well, so I don't that, own one yet. So <laughs> that, that's an indication that I don't have enough yet. available resources to purchase one. Right. Right. Or I probably would. Cause I think they're a really cool gun. Yeah. Super nice. Um, and so they came out with the type B, which, um, was a little bit smaller than the strike one. Um, it's, and I'll give you this, just the overall synopsis of what makes the, the gun pretty neat and pretty unique. Um, starting off, it's, it's, uh, it's a nine millimeter, 15 round capacity. So initially I'll give you the comparisons to a Glock 19 because most people you know, have a Glock 19 for reference to, to understand. Um, the barrel length is really similar to uh, a Glock 19. Uh, it's slightly longer. So it's 4.29 inches compared to 4.01 for a Glock 19. So really close. Um, the slide length is a little bit longer. It's 7.16 um, compared to 6.85 inches. So yes, you do get a longer sight radius. And I know Riley talked about this at length about, you know, what advantages of sight radius, if anything, um, you know, but you do have a longer slide, which isn't really a deal, an issue for me. I wouldn't consider it an issue if you're going to conceal the gun. Uh, the slide right. length really is not you know, obviously if you're trying to conceal, you know, something that's four feet long, of course, <laughs> but a half an inch or something is really not that diff more difficult to conceal. Uh, so for concealment, it's not really an issue. Um, the slide width is, is pretty, pretty similar one. It's a hundredth of an inch difference or a tenth of an inch difference. Um, the height with the, with the magazine is a little bit longer. So it's 5.12 inches compared to 5.04 inches for a Glock 19. Now to give you guys an idea, if you're just, you know, in your mind, if you picture your Glock 19 and you picture a Glock 19 X or the full size, uh, you know, a duty size frame on a Glock, um, it's a little bit smaller than the full size frame in length from top of the slide to the bottom of the magazine when it's inserted, but a little bit longer than a Glock 19. So if you're con concealing a Glock 19, you know, you're real, you're like a 10th of an inch difference, maybe 0 0.08 inches difference. So not much at all. It's a little bit heavier. Uh, the, the type B is heavier than the, the uh, Glock 19. It's 34.29 ounces compared to 30 ounces uh, for the Glock 19. And I, and that's with, that's filled. I don't know why you'd carry a gun without it, the magazine being filled. So that's why I uh, give you that, that uh, weight trigger, the trigger on the, the Archon is really nice, the Type B. Um, it's a flat face trigger, if you can see it on Facebook. Uh, it's a flat face trigger, but it ha does have like a little bit of a bend to it. So it's not super flat where um, you have that vertical, almost 90 degree angle trigger. It does have a little bit of a curve, but it really um, it guides your finger in there really nice and it feels really nice. Um, it The trigger pull on this, I, I measure the Type B 
trigger pull at five and a half pounds. I also measured the Glock 19, a, a standard uh, uh, Gen 3 Glock 19, and I was getting consistently a little bit over six pounds uh, pull, so a little bit lighter for the Type B. Now, I will tell you for um, on the Type B, I was getting maybe 0 0.03 of a second split time sh quicker consistently. Now, I don't know if it was because of the trigger and the short reset and all that stuff, um, but consistently I was getting um, maybe 0.03-ish uh, quicker. So, take it for what it's worth. And that's with a standard Glock trigger. So, um, yep. the cool thing about the Archon Type B is that it does have a rotating barrel. So, if you see here with the slide lock to the rear, typically with the browning tilt up barrel, you'd see the barrel kind of uh, tilting up in the front. Uh, you see it's, it's, it's in line with the with the slide, right? So, this, uh, there's, uh, I think, I know the um, PX4 Storm has a is a similar barrel, and there's there's another that's escaping me. Um, but there there are a couple other guns that right. do have a rotating barrel, um, right. which is well, intended. Now, to does help. that one actually re rotate? I thought it had like a locking block it, that it does that moves up and down. Right. the 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 barrel doesn't actually rotate. The locking right. block rotates to keep the barrel the barrel. Um, uh, horizontal, right? Yeah. So, the, so the barrel stays. It's as if you know, like anybody that's familiar with a uh, like a Walter PPK, where the barrel is like mounted to the frame of right. the gun. Um, this one obviously is not mounted to the frame, but it basically sort of stays in line, like you know, like a, a, a solidly fixed barrel would, because it's got a locking block that does the moving. PX4, you know, and the Berettas and things like that, that they actually have a rotating uh, locking mechanism, but it's similar in that it basically stays in line. Yeah. Which it, some it, people believe lends to increased accuracy. I don't know. It, uh, it, to me, it makes sense because, you you know, with all these other guns, you have this barrel that comes, you know, undone from the slide and it tilts and it, you know, has to like basically get up and lock in the same place the same way every time, but I don't know. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, as I go through the... the, the uh, review it, those a lot of those types of things are very subjective right like what gun is more accurate what how does the the recoil feel that's what people always ask like oh well does it you know because of that does you, you know you have a higher grip angle or higher uh grip on the bore axis does it keep the gun from from you know having front muzzle rise and stuff like that it possibly could like i it's very very difficult to say um you know, oh, well, it does do this or it, to any sort of uh, quantifiable degree, right? I will tell you that if you've shot the Walther uh, CCP that has a fixed barrel, the, the recoil impulse feels very similar to that, um, where it's mm -hmm. more, it's, it's, it's not less, there's not less of a recoil uh, I don't feel less of a recoil. I just feel it differently. It's more of like a, a, a like I, I want to consider it like a punch in my hand more than kind of like a little flip. Does that, you know, mean it, it doesn't rise? You know, I, I'm trying to get a little bit of a, 
data on that during the during the review, but um, very subjective. But overall, the gun is really nice. Some of the features, like I said, the, the trigger is really nice. Um, you see the Ford serrations is kind of cut down right there. Um, I like the Ford serrations. Uh, it looks cool, but it, it actually really is tactile and and really easy to to grip. Um, they do some pretty cool grip mapping, what they call grip mapping. And I know Riley and I talked about this, I think on the podcast a while, a while back about, you know, not just having a grip that's grippy or has texture, but actually having texture that is directional based on the, the, the forces of the gun, right? Like moving yeah. this way and how to kind of counteract that. And so um, they did that in this. So they call it grip mapping. And, and when you see the, the grip up close, you'll see that the nubs on the grip are angled in a certain way to kind of yep. help counteract those natural movements. So pretty cool there. Um, I'll tell you the first time I laid my hands, my eyes on them, on it, and my hands on it, like I, I picked it up and I looked at it and I instantly knew what was going on there. I said, and I turned to the rep from uh, Arcom and I was like, dude, this is freaking genius yeah you know like because basically what they've done is they, they've got these angle these angles on the stippling that are optimized for the various locations on the grip and how it moves in relation or how it wants to move in relation to your hands mm -hmm. so imagine where the gun is trying to say push back or rotate upward or anything like that well then they've they've Ang they've, they've rotated those angles so that you're really maximizing your hand locking in on that grip, on that stippling, based on how those different parts of that grip are trying to move from a recoil of the gun. It's just flat out genius. Yeah, it's it's really smart. And, and you know, I, I prefer, like even on my carry gun, I have the granulated talon grips. Um, I just really like aggressive grips. It's, it, it's just a personal preference. Yeah. But even with this, uh, it, feels, it feels good. It doesn't feel aggressive, but you can feel it in your hand where it, it, you have a good firm grip. There's no grip zone, guys, so you're going to have to figure that one out on your own. But anyways, um, but a couple other cool, quick things. Um, does have an accessory rail. The, the sights, now this comes with fiber optic sights. I don't know if you can see those, but the front fiber optic is really, really narrow and bright. Um, I like night sights. And so I, I, I've, in, in, but the, the fiber optic sites are really nice. If you end up wanting to change out these sites, they're compatible with Glock 19 yeah. sites. So you can get whatever sites you want and put it on here. Um, yeah. It does come with four mags, which is really cool. Um, it, you know, some oil and all, and all that stuff. So you get a little bit more than maybe what you would get if, you know, some of the other manufacturers and there's some other things interior and in, in, like integral inside the gun that I'll, I'll cover at depth in the, in the review. But, um, overall I like shooting it. It's really, really nice to shoot. Um, it is more expensive than a Glock 19, right? Factor, you know, from the factory. So this is uh, the Type B is around 850 compared to about 650 for a Glock 19. Um, but if you factor in, you know, you do have extra extra magazine, a little nicer case. Um, you get these sites. Even these sites are better. I I prefer these sites over even the Glock 
uh, night sites, like, you know, upgraded oh, yeah. lock night sites, those I don't like. And so if you're going to change your sites and put on a hundred dollar, $150 pair of sites, um, get an extra magazine or two or three or whatever, um, you know, you're pretty close in, in cost um, with, between the Glock 19 and the Type B. The big, the one big thing right now is there are not many holster companies that make holsters. There are some, maybe like four or five that I've talked to, but um, they are not, you know, as plentiful. So you don't have as much of an option. But yep. um, I think this gun is going to be pretty, pretty well received once it gets out there i do hope that they they figure out um that they should ship it with already like an mos style right for made for a a um uh red dot optic because it's a gun that is kind of not futuristic because it looks futuristic but futuristic because it has a lot of those features that you would want on guns in the future right so i think putting a putting a mounting plate for optic is is common sense so that's the type b man dude well you stole all the air out of the room but uh, (laughs) sorry nice teasing i know i'm glad you i mean dude you did a really nice uh, comprehensive review of everything there uh because like at one point i thought you were like getting close to wrapping up i'm like he hasn't mentioned the grip texture the stippling (laughs) i'm like i'm gonna totally throw that out there you, you rolled into that so um for my review today i've got here the springfield armory hellcat a uh, pretty new entry to the market. Uh, so new, this just showed up uh, last Friday, and just because of everything I've got going on personally you know, these last few days, uh, just work and family and you know all that, uh, I haven't yet been able to get it to the range to shoot it. So I, I kind of, in a way, feel bad talking about it, uh, having not actually put rounds through it. So, but this will be just more focused around the the overall design and some of the physical characteristics of the gun. Uh, so. Super excited, though, because as I mentioned in the intro of the podcast, uh, this is the first serious challenger to the P365. I spent a lot of time last year with the P365. Uh, I, I put thousands and thousands of rounds through a P365, in fact. Actually, two different, mo- or two different ones. So they were both the same model. This is one of them here. This, is, uh, this has got an aftermarket Grey Guns stippled grip, uh, which I think is awesome i love the products that gray guns puts out and i love the the way they do their stippling on these grips uh and on a small gun like this especially matthew you talked about how you like a little bit more aggressive grip texture and the reason why we like that uh because you and i are in the same boat on this is because it means you can hold on to the gun better and that it it moves less in your hand right and on a gun that has such a small grip like a p365 you, you want to have I think a little bit more aggressive than maybe even normal uh, grip texture because y- y- you just don't have as much surface area to grab onto. So we got to counter that, I think, somewhat, at least to, to try to have uh, a little bit more mm, opportunity to run this effectively, to run it fast and, and accurate. And so, anyway, P365, I, you know, I wrote a whole big long uh, review, like a 6,000 plus word review on the P365 last year. So, I'm, I'm kind of the P365 guy now. And I do love that platform. So, that obviously, the Hellcat is intended to compete uh, directly with the P365. 
Now, first off, they came straight out just swinging for the fence with regards to its capacity. So here is the standard magazine that it comes with. It actually comes with two mags. I've got the 11 round. This is the standard one. Uh, this one currently has the pinky finger extension on the bottom of this magazine, uh, but there's also a flat uh, magazine base plate that comes included so we can swap that out, uh, which my philosophy with this kind of thing, Matthew, is I don't see a whole lot of difference in concealing this over this, right? right. Where, where I have like the full extension. I mean, there is a little bit of a difference in concealability, uh, but there's not a lot. And so when I tend to run these guns, I either, I'm either looking for max concealability, so I tend to run with the, with the flat base plate, or I'm looking for uh, a little bit more capacity because of how I'm dressed for the day. I can get away with, you know, that little bit extra grip length or whatever. So anyway, 11 round magazine, uh, that, that is the, the standard, you know, base model magazine. Uh, so they came out, you know, swinging for SIG with the P365 by toppling them, you know, as the, as the king of the hill, uh, as it can, comes to these very small micro compact guns and capacity. And I'll tell you, it is pretty awesome because I'm going to, I'm going to lay these on the table here. So they're basically laying at the same height and I'm going to hold them up here and I'm showing the camera, the grips on these, as far as like from the top of the gun, from the sights down to the base of the grip, they are the same length. So, uh, excuse me, not SIG, but Springfield has managed to somehow squeeze one more round into a space that I already didn't think it was possible to fit <laughs> another round. So that is, uh, that's crazy. That's like, that's like, like witchcraft, you know, it's just unreal. Um, I, I, I was already enamored with the engineers at SIG Sauer and how they squeezed 10 rounds into the P365 somehow and maybe Springfield like stole away six engineers and said, guys, you already did the impossible. Now we're going to ask you to do something even more impossible and fit one more round into that same basically space. If I take out these two magazines, by the way, you'll see just kind of how similar they are, but also you'll see, so you'll note some very slight uh, differences. So I'm going to try to get these lined up the same uh, angle. Uh, so you will actually see that the S Springfield Hellcat magazine is slightly taller. So what that tells us is that there's, a, there's more height available inside of the top of the frame and the underneath of the slide to somehow accommodate that and still fit it in an overall package that's the same height. Um, you'll see that the Here's the flat base plate of the P365 magazine that it's got a little bit more of an angle. If I had the flat ba base plate, it'd be more obvious on this Hellcat magazine. But basically, SIG maintained this, like the angle of the body of the magazine is square to the base plate on the SIG P365 magazine. On the Hellcat magazine, uh, the angle of the base of the magazine is, is basically horizontal, or it's parallel to the bore. Right, so it's not square to the the sides of the body of the magazine. Uh, I don't know, you know. I I suppose that's maybe that was the opportunity that that Springfield seized upon is that by basically lengthening the back side of the magazine, that back corner, the, the kind of bottom rear corner of the magazine, that maybe that somehow allowed them to get that extra round in there. Um, I suppose that's probably part of the answer. 
for whatever reason, SIG wanted to go with, you know, a little bit different uh, design on the bottom of the grip of the gun and the bottom of the, uh, of the magazine. Because what we'll see between these two guns is that basically the base of the grip of the Hellcat is parallel to the bore. And in the case of P365, they are not parallel. All right. Now, I will say that that little bit of an angle, again, it's not a lot, but it does, this will be, I think, a little bit more concealable in the case of the P365, because what a lot, a lot of time, what I find prints, Matthew, especially carrying appendix, is this uh, kind of corner mm-hmm. of, the, of yep. the grip, right? And so, on the 365, it's a little bit shorter there, so that little kind of corner of the base of the grip slash magazine is, is a little bit shorter, will probably print a little bit less, but we're, we're really, we're splitting hairs here. Um, in the case of the Hellcat, I think it'll probably be just a little bit less concealable if you're looking for max concealment. But it's, again, it's splitting hairs. So I'm going to turn attention now to uh, <laughs> somebody already commented here about grip zone. There is no grip zone on the Hellcat, <laughs> at least nothing labeled as such. And actually, this is a new texture that Springfield has come out. This stippling they're, they're referring to as like adaptive something... I saw that somewhere here, um, but it's a it's a some kind of adaptive grip texture. At least that's how they think of it. And basically, the way it was described, uh, at least in some promotional videos and, and marketing materials, is that there's kind of like there's like these these peaks and valleys in this texture, and the the tallest peaks have been kind of flattened off and smoothed over, so that you know if you're just kind of lightly rubbing your fingers or hand across this it doesn't really snag you too much and it's it probably will work r- really well for concealment including with garments and things like that and then supposedly as you apply more pressure then you then you're going to start reaching those shorter peaks which those ones are a little bit more sharp so the idea is that as we increase grip pressure on this the the gun basically gets more grippy um I, I don't know for sure. I, again, I haven't put rounds through this. I don't know how, how like, theory is one thing, right? And there, it sounds like a really cool theory, but what's the real world result? Does it actually do what it's claimed to do? So I, I don't know. I w- I'm just, I'm, I'm going based off of what I feel as I grip the gun. And I, guys, I grip with a with a, quite a bit of grip pressure. Anybody that knows me or shot with me, or if I've demonstrated, some of my students have felt this where I've, I've told them you need to grip with more grip pressure. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure. Riley, I'll do my best. And then I come over and I'll, I'll demonstrate. I'll put my hand over top of theirs and they'll be like, Whoa, like that's how tight you're gripping. Yeah. That, so when I say grip more, like you can pretty much always grip more, especially with your support hand when shooting. Um, so as I'm applying grip pressure on this, particularly with my support hand where I'm getting that meaty part of the palm pushed in there on that adaptive grip texture, I, I, I'm not convinced that it's really getting me the, the, the grip that I, that I want, that I desire. Um, but it's not the same thing as actually putting rounds down the pipe at the range. Uh, now, I realize that this 365 has the aftermarket gray guns, uh, laser etched grip stippling. So it's not apples to apples here, but I have a standard grip. I just didn't bring it with me here today. So I've compared both side by side and I'm definitely very familiar with how the 365 feels because I put like, including the P365 standard models and the new XL model that I have. And I'm, I'm still working on a, a review on, um, I've, I've, I'm very well acquainted with what those guns feel like. I've put, <sighs> 
probably seven close, probably about 7,000 rounds through P365 platforms. And, uh, the basically comes down to the, the SIG P365 grip is more grippy is, is my impression from at least just feeling things here. But uh, a couple other things, the sights on the Hellcat are really awesome. They're good. Uh, they went with the U-notch rear. It's white outlined. That doesn't really mean much to me. I don't really like whatever. That kind of feels a little bit Glock-ish to me. It's neither a, a hindrance nor a, a help in my opinion. If it was just a blacked out rear U-notch, I'd be totally fine with that. I do wish the rear sight had a... Uh, a tritium vial of some sort, whether it's in the base of it or if it had two dots, like that would probably be appreciated because while the front is tritium and it's pretty bright in low light, I've checked that out. Uh, you know, if I don't have perfect alignment with things and, and it's really, really, really dark, it might be a little bit challenging for me to, to recognize the relationship, my front sight to my rear sight, because there's, there's nothing on the rear, uh, for low light. So but for for uh, better light, you know, re- regular daylight conditions, the sights are excellent. The front is really, really bright. It's a bright yellow and uh, kind of a fluorescent neon looking yellow. It's pretty easy to see. So that's cool. Um, yeah, I, 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 I got to give Springfield uh, props on putting a decent set of sights on a stock, you know, from the factory gun. These are serviceable sights for a base package gun. And, and this is what they come with. So that's really cool. The uh, grip um, serrations, or not grip, slide serrations are really well done. Uh, a little bit uh, honor defense, honor guard-ish, you know, with the, st- the not stippling. <laughs> I keep thinking stippling because I was talking about stippling for so long. The serrations kind of wrap over the top of the rear of the slide. So that's that's cool. That's fine. Now, this is the standard model. They do have an OSP configuration, which is just means optics ready. And uh, supposedly Springfield is going to, they promised to send me one of those as well here in a couple of weeks, just so I can, I want to do a full comprehensive review of this whole platform. Uh, so again, I have not put any rounds through it. Uh, assuming it runs reliably, I think it's probably going to be a really decent platform. I know that some out there will say, well, Springfield isn't, doesn't have the reliability uh, you know, uh, what's the word reputation that maybe say like Glock or some of these other, you know, manufacturers have, uh, I, I appreciate the fact they got rid of the grip safety because that definitely eliminated one concern I had. Now, some people view the grip safety as a plus as a safety measure, which I understand, but I have seen shooters not get a good enough grip on a Springfield and cause the gun not to be able to fire when they're trying to fire it because their hands have gotten fatigued. They've been shooting all day. And by the way, this is not necessarily a far-fetched thing. Like you could be in a fight for your life and anybody that's been in a real true fight, you tire very fast unless you are extremely well conditioned and you tire quickly. And then you go to, you finally are able to get to your gun. You go to your gun and your hands just fatigued. Maybe you just smashed your your fist against somebody's jaw and now you don't get a very solid grip on the gun. I've just not been very crazy about the grip safeties for a number of years now because of some issues relating to they're great when they work, but when they don't, you're screwed. And a lot of times I've seen, I've seen shooters lock up. They're like, my gun's not working. Why isn't it looking or working? I don't know. And I'll look at it and be like, ah, you're not gripping it you know, correctly or, or tightly enough or whatever it is, right? So they got rid of the grip safety. I think that's a plus. Um, it has a trigger bar safety thing, whatever, right? 
trigger shoe safety, trigger safety, whatever you call them. Uh, that's cool. Uh, takedown is easy, although you do have to pull the trigger. Okay. If that's relevant to anybody. So, you know, it's got the simple takedown lever like most pistols these days have, but for it to actually go forward at this point, I do have to press the trigger and it comes apart. Um, that's fine. I don't really care as long as you're you know, being safe and following all safety rules when you take down your gun. Um, but takedown is simple and straightforward. It does not have ambidextrous controls, but that's not necessarily a knock on it because neither does the 365. Um, I do prefer the controls on the 365 over the Hellcat, at least so far from just playing with it. But the controls aren't bad on the Hellcat. They, they're not that bad. Uh, I actually don't think they're bad at all. The rail is non-proprietary. This is a standard, you know, 1911 or 19, excuse me, 1913, you know, uh, picket, picatinny rail type system, right? That's cool. It's a little bit short. You're not going to find a lot of accessories to fit on there, but at least it's not proprietary. So there you go. Um, overall, I'm impressed with what I see so far. So that is kind of the initial review from me here on the Hellcat, the ultimate test will be putting the rounds through it. I will definitely be doing that. I'll be putting a fair number of rounds and we'll just see what the results are. If it's reliable, if it shoots well, if it's controllable, what the grip texture really feels like under recoil, um, its accuracy, potential, all of that stuff. I'll be doing a, a very thorough comparison uh, review on this plus comparison to the P365 because that is the platform it's intended to defeat. And while I, my, my initial feeling is that Springfield's not going to take SIG down um, over this, they are going to cut into that market share because this guy here has been a very popular little bugger and they're going to steal some of that away with this. And some people are just going to be wild. Wow. One extra round. I can get 11. I, I, I'll have to say because my, my base standard for any defensive handgun is I like to have a gun with at least 10 rounds. This meets that standard. All right. So beyond that, it's like, eh, it's, you know, it's icing on the cake. It's a cherry on top. It's, it's gravy, you know, like whatever. Uh, so that extra round is, is cool in a Hellcat, but it's not at this point, the determining factor for me where it, that will, that, that will be for some people. Cause they'll just be wowed by the fact that they managed to cram 11 rounds into this thing, 11 plus one. So I'm, st I'm surprised you're still here. I thought you had to take off Matthew. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I worked it out, so I'm, oh. I, I'm able to be still here. So <laughs> did some things in the background. Ah, gotcha. So I, I don't know. What do you think based on uh, what I gave you there? Yeah, I, I'm pumped about it. I saw it and, you know, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, is gun guy, gun owners and I say guys in general, but gun people owners are like, oh, well, you know, what's the big deal? Just a SIG copy and this and that. And it's like, you're not happy with innovation. Like you don't want you know, yeah. companies to, to push each other to build better. And, and, you know, I mean, think about it. If no one ever, everyone said, Oh, you got the Glock 26, who needs a P365, right? Like, no, let's try to get more rounds. Like five years from now, maybe they'll have a 15 round magazine that fits that. I don't know how they'll do it, but maybe they'll figure it out. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm pumped to see what you, uh, what you think about it. <laughs> a lot of funny comments here on Facebook, <laughs> especially yeah. when I was talking about apparently holding shooters' hands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one question, though, here that came up, tell us about price. Uh, 
That's a fair, fair question, right? They're actually very similar if you're just going off of MSRP. I suspect, especially once things settle down, the street price might be a little bit less on the Hellcat, but you know, I, I don't think it's going to be that much different right now. So the MSRP on the P365 is 599 basically. And on, on the Hellcat, I think it's 569 I think I got that right. So it's very similar. I mean, we're talking within, you know, two $20 bills uh, territory. That's, that's very reasonable. Um, frankly, I was a little bit surprised that the Hellcat was over $500. Just like I kind of expected spring, like I do think Springfield is trying to undercut SIG in price as well as in performance to some degree, but I, I guess I kind of thought they would probably undercut them just a little bit more than like 30 bucks. But I, yeah, I'm thinking it might be a perception thing, right? Like you, yeah. if you price it below a certain expectation, then people are going to think, oh, this thing's cheap, right? So right. I think there's some of that too going on. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it does come down to, I mean, and this will definitely be something that people knock it on. Uh, this guy here is made in Croatia, and this one's made in America. So there's that aspect too, and I think price should come into play there a little bit as well. Um, but you know what? I don't get too tore up, you know, because I've been a Glock shooter for a long time. And, well, Glock does have the American plant, and I do own some American-built Glocks, but there's plenty of Austrian ones out there as well. There's also, in the old days of SIG, stuff being made in Germany, you know? So, like, it's like, eh, okay, cool. It's cool that this one's made in the U.S. It's less cool this one's made in Croatia, but it's not like a deal breaker for me. But for some people, it will be. That's fine. Well, cool. Um, there you go. There's a couple of uh, pretty in-depth uh, for what they are on a podcast where you, most of you listening can't even see what we're talking about, but hopefully we described it well enough for you. But a couple of pretty in-depth reviews on Matthew's Archon Type B, which really is a really sweet gun. I I think eventually I will end up with one. I don't know when that will be because <laughs> I think they're really cool. Um, but uh, that's going to be a little bit more difficult as certain other manufacturers keep releasing other cool things that I also want and uh, <laughs> have a tendency <laughs> of ending up with. Anyhow. Well, guys, it's time to wrap it up. We do have a giveaway, though, to announce, so we got to pick our winner of the weekly giveaway. Uh, folks, if you're not familiar with the giveaway, each week we launch a new uh, giveaway where you sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And you do need to sign up at least once a week, all right? So if you don't continue to come back to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and see the updated giveaway and sign up each week, then you're missing out because you're not automatically included in the next one just because you signed up last week. It's that This thing is reset every week. This week, we're giving away a $50 gift card to SSP Eyewear. Uh, you know, we love SSP Eyewear. We have a great working, working relationship with them. They don't make the highest and fanciest shooting glasses in the world, but they make good stuff. And it's priced at a point that people can really afford easily. And, you know, I'll tell you what, I got one of these $50 gift cards once upon a time. And with 50 bucks, I was able to buy eye protection for my entire family, yeah. wife, children, kids, everybody, uh, for less than 50 bucks. And, you know, again, not the fanciest, coolest stuff in the, in the room, but it, 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 it's good quality for what it is. It's very affordable. And I was like, that's cool. You know, some of my kids don't shoot all that often. And so for them to have just a serviceable pair of eye protection that 
works like it's supposed to and is comfortable. Like there's some eye protection out there that is not comfortable. Like you put it on and it like pinches your head, pinches your nose. I haven't worn anything from SSBI wear that was uncomfortable. So there's that at least, right? So good quality eye protection at a really affordable price. SSBI wear, super, you know, excited that, you know, we have all these $50 gift cards from them. We got a bunch more. We'll give them away over time. Uh, so today's winner is going to get a $50 gift card. What this is, is you'll be contacted. You'll be provided a coupon code and that coupon code is good for $50 in credit on their site. So you will redeem this at SSPIWare.com. And so, yeah, make sure you sign up for the giveaway each week as not SSP, <laughs> concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. This week's winner, Matthew, give us a drum roll. That's a good drum roll. Thank you. I, I'm glad we keep you around here. I've been man. practicing. You do a lot better than Jacob with the drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> I practice, man. Jason C is this week's winner of the $50 SSP eyewear gift card. Jason nice. C. Jason, you'll be sent an email and uh, you'll be given the opportunity to claim this prize and to everybody else that signed up or didn't sign up and thus you didn't win. We're sorry, but you always have a chance next week. Make sure you're signing up for the podcast each week. So, with that, it is time to sign out. Somehow, I just activated Siri on my iPad automatically. <laughs> that was funny. Um, a, a reminder of today's episode sponsors, idpavests.com. Go check them out, idpavests.com. And also, we're just a remind, we're reminding you of our brand new Shooter Ready Challenge, monthly challenge in, incorporating dry fire practice. Go to shooterreadychallenge.com to participate, to get better, to develop skill, and have some fun along the way with a chance to win $200. It's not $200. Sorry, folks. Not $200 worth of ammo even. It's still pretty awesome, though. It's 200 rounds of free ammo from ammosupplywarehouse.com. And again, we're using the LaserX app software available at laserapp.com. We appreciate them for being a sponsor of this awesome new ShooterReadyChallenge.com. And so, cool. brings us to the end of another episode of the Concealed Carry PewCast, this being the Magnum PewCast, 357, episode <laughs> number 357. <laughs> I have and, one, qu- I have one oh, thing yeah. to add before we take off. Uh, Do it. One of you guys probably know um, Shayna Reed. She normally com, com, uh, comments in the comments and stuff. She's a yeah. real good fan. Uh, she was involved in a car accident. She's okay. But if you guys uh, have uh, some prayers to send her way, I'm sure she'd, uh, she'd definitely appreciate it. So, But she's okay. Just uh, uh, send some prayers her way for a quick healing. Dang. All right. Yeah. Thank you for... I didn't know that. So... Thanks for letting me know. Yes, Shana is a longtime fan and listener and Guardian Nation member and student of ours and now has become an instructor herself, which I think is awesome. Uh, so indeed, look, we'll be uh, sending our happy thoughts, prayers, alms, all of that on Shana's behalf. Thanks, Matthew. Yep. So with that, it wraps up another fantastic episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. We'll let you go with a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.
A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.